Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for the possibility of being alive. We thank you for all the wonderful things aligned for your children. Oh Lord, we see the struggle living in our lives. That's why we come to you, Lord, to learn how to live today. Lord, as you're about to study your word, we pray that you instruct us directly, that we see the things that we must do, especially today as we plan to live with you day by day. Lord, direct us, hold our ears and instruct us, guide our ways, that we may dwell even with you today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Conflict and Courage January 8 Someone to share And the Lord God said It is not good that man should be alone I will make him and help meet for him And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help, meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 to 25 After the creation of Adam, every living creature was brought before him to receive its name. He saw that to each had been given a companion, but among them there was not found an help meet for him. Among all the creatures that God had made on the earth, there was not one equal to man. And God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. Man was not made to dwell in solitude. He was to be a social being. Without companionship, the beautiful scenes and delightful employments of Eden would have failed to yield perfect happiness. Even communion with angels could not have satisfied his desire for sympathy and companionship. There was none of the same nature to love and to be loved. God himself gave Adam a companion. He provided an help meet for him, a helper corresponding to him. 
one who was fitted to be his companion and who could be one with him in love and sympathy. Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him. A part of man, bone of his bone, and flesh of his flesh, she was his second self, showing the close union and the affectionate attachment that should exist in this relation. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 29 Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 God celebrated the first marriage. Thus, the institution has for its originator the creator of the universe. Marriage is honorable. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. It was one of the first gifts of God to man, and it is one of the two institutions that after the fall, Adam brought with him beyond the gates of paradise. When the divine principles are recognized and obeyed in this relation, marriage is a blessing. It guards the purity and happiness of the race. It provides for man's social needs. It elevates the physical, the intellectual, and the moral nature. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Someone to Share. And we are looking at the institution of marriage, which is a blessing that was given to humanity by God. When God created Adam, something that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 2 took place, which made us to understand the reason and purpose of marriage. In Genesis 2 verse 18, God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Here is where God identified something that he needed to do for man. I wouldn't say he identified a problem because man was created perfect. But in order to make things more beautiful for him, and this is something we should really notice about God, God keeps on trying to make us happy and improving on our state to see that we are comfortable, to see that we are in a condition of pure, perfect happiness. Adam was already happy. He was fine. And all things were going well for him. But to increase his happiness and to make him even happier, there's something that God not necessarily omitted because he already knew it. But he needed Adam to see for himself his own need. He created Adam alone first. Not Adam and Eve, but Adam alone. And while Adam was in the business of giving or identifying the names of the animals, it is said that, but for Adam was not found a help meet for him. Because God didn't forget to make a companion for Adam. It was he who made the animals male and female. That's what we are told. Male and female created he them. There was no transsexual bisexual there was no many genders 
it was just two genders male and female and for adam he didn't create a second gender intentionally because he wanted adam to see his need first and that is something that will teach us a lesson today every baby that is born doesn't need a, doesn't need a wife or a husband there comes a time as you grow in your relationship with god as you follow god's plan as we see for adam first of all adam was created he built a relationship with god after that relationship with god he was given a life work and in performing that work that was where adam saw his need not until that time did god say i will make a help meet for him and not until that time did adam see that he actually needed help too many today teenagers especially because of the influences around us and many things we see in the media rush into the sentimentalism of marriage not having to pass through the process that we need to go through before even bringing such a thought into the mind for adam there was a process he like a baby was born he had a relationship struck with god he was given a work and he knew his purpose in life and the area of life that he was going to serve he was given a garden to take care of and the whole earth to rule over and have dominion over it so he needed someone he knew the kind of person he needs somebody who is like-minded who would join him in that same work so what was the purpose of marriage the purpose of marriage as we see uh maybe twofold Firstly, Adam needed a helper that was suitable to assist him in his work, and secondly, a helper for his social needs to increase his happiness. Indeed, marriage does increase happiness. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 18 verse 22, "Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord." Proverbs 19 verse 14 says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. So in these passages we see that indeed marriage is a blessing. And for the Bible, for the Lord to say that anyone who finds a wife, not a woman now, not just a lady, but a wife, that is a function, not a woman, but the functional area of a wife. And I would also add a husband, not just a wife. Find a husband, find a wife. The Bible says you have found a good thing. And not only have you found a good thing, God has favored you. Why? Because marriage properly contracted, as we have seen in our devotion today, Conflict and Courage, page 14, paragraph 2, it will bring about perfect happiness and also it will help us to satisfy the desire for sympathy and companionship, which is something that is even needed greatly. Here we read, and God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. Man was not made to dwell in solitude. He was to be a social being. Without companionship, the beautiful scenes and delightful employments of Eden would have failed to yield perfect happiness. Even communion with angels could not have satisfied his desire for sympathy and companionship. There was none of the same nature to love and 
to be loved. End of quote. Here we see clearly God's purpose in marriage. Two things like I have said earlier. One that was a helper suitable for Adam to assist him in his work. And so for us too, it should be the same thing we have in mind. But you must know what your work is. The Lord needs to work on you. You need to be converted. You need to have your relationship with God first before a relationship with any human being that will be called a husband or a wife. And then you also need to know where God is directing you in this life so that you will be suited to help whoever it is you are going to get married to. And that's what we call compatibility. There must be that compatibility of purpose before you know what kind of person you get married to. And then when that happens, then it will increase our happiness. The Lord knows that if marriage is properly contracted, it does have the ability to increase happiness. Not that you cannot be happy without it, and make no mistake about that, you can be happy without it. You can do without it, and we'll see that uh, subsequently. So, here we see the purpose of marriage. All these things we can still satisfy today without marriage too. But indeed, God created marriage for a purpose, for a deeper, intimate relationship which will actually increase happiness and also increase productivity. When marriage is properly contracted, it will increase the usefulness of both parties who engage in it. But when it is not properly contracted, it detracts from our usefulness. If someone used to be useful 100% or 70% before, a wrong marriage will drop it down drastically. But then a good one will increase our usefulness and it will increase our love for God and it will make heaven even more sure for us. And that is why there must be carefulness in entering into this institution. Adam was created alone. There was no one around him to be a companion to him. There was no one to relate with in the capacity that man could relate. No animal can speak his language. None of them can share with him the joys of the things he was uh, actually partaking in. He needed someone like him. And God did not create a second man. If a second man could satisfy the companionship that was needed, God would have created a man. But he didn't create a second man. He made a woman intentionally because of the varied capacities of both people. The man and the woman are not the same. While we must have uh, the same character, but yet we have different strengths and weaknesses. And a woman was created to have a different kind of disposition. And today it is still the same thing. God has made it so that we may complement each other and man may be perfect. Humanity, when I say man, I mean humanity, may complement themselves and be perfect. That which the man may not be able to do, the woman will do. And that which the woman may not be able to do, the man will do. And thereby complementing each other, working together and achieving greater things than they would have achieved individually. Today, like I'm saying, the world is filled with billions of people. Companionship is not hard to get. And also finding one who will be a help meet for you is not also hard to get in both the same uh, sex but uh, and also in the opposite sex. But there is something that is deeper than that. There is a deeper companionship that exists between the opposite sex that is not found in the same sex relationship. And that was what God was trying to fulfill with Adam, both for the purpose of multiplying 
and that the world should be populated with more humans and also for the purpose of deep intimacy which cannot exist between the same sex. But here we are many years later. Marriage has gone through so many modifications and after the sin of man, there is a lot we can look into in this issue of marriage differently from it was in the time of perfection. Reading from Councils for the Church, page 133, paragraph 2, it says, Jesus did not enforce celibacy upon any class of men. He came not to destroy the sacred relationship of marriage, but to exalt it and restore it to its original sanctity. He looks with pleasure upon the family relationship where sacred and unselfish love bears sway. So, you see that even today, God is not against it and we also should have the right mindset towards it. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. What does that mean? In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 reading from verse 15 to 18 it says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body. For two saith he shall be one flesh. What does it mean to be joined to a harlot? Is it by marriage? No, she's a harlot. It's not that by marriage. Going on in verse 17 and 18, it says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. For every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. So how are we joined to a harlot? Not by marriage, by fornication. This is what is sexual, inter- sexual intercourse is what is being referred to. So when the Bible said that two saith he shall be one flesh, what was being referred to there is the sexual relations. This is how man and woman becomes one flesh and the Bible calls this a mystery. The purpose of marriage took a different turn after sin. There is a deeper purpose in marriage than just companionship than just a help meet for me or for you, a woman. Deeper than that, seeing here now that two saith he shall be one flesh and that was referring to the sexual relations and that's why we must be careful in this issue because there is something mysterious about these sexual relations that brings about a certain kind of oneness between the opposite sex. Today there is a lot of fornication and for many of us, many people, they know and have experienced these things in various ways, whether it is true pornography, whether it is true the real sexual intercourse, or whether it is true um, just the thoughts in the mind, lusting, like Jesus said, that whosoever will look at a woman or a man and lust after the person in the heart, you have already committed adultery. We are experiencing these things today. So, we must understand that there needs to be a carefulness surrounding this. So. I said earlier that there is a purpose different now about marriage concerning man after the fall. In Ephesians chapter 5 reading from verse 22, we see a different purpose now for marriage. It says from verse 22 downward, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. 
husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might rep- by, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever hated his own flesh but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the lord for the church verse 31 for this cause shall a man leave his wife and his, his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So here we see what I'm talking about, about the new function for marriage. It is a school for man to learn about the character of Jesus in redemption. Just as the wife is to be subject to the husband, so also it shows us the relationship we have with Christ as a church being subject to Jesus Christ. And so also, just as the, 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 Jesus Christ gave himself for the church, died for it and cares for it and nourishes the church and cherishes so also the husband is to do the same so in the marriage relation we see an object lesson for man after the fall that man is to do something learn lessons of submission to god and learn lessons of sacrifice in that marriage before the fall these lessons may not have been necessary the lessons of forgiveness mercy sacrifice those things may not have been there there was no need for forgiveness when there was no sin no need for mercy and grace when there was no sin because where sin abound grace did abound much more the grace came because of sin and so also as sin has come marriage has taken a new meaning for us it is not more about companionship now and just social relations for our greatest companionship should exist between us and Jesus Christ. And if that is all we have, we should be content with that. This is the reason why we see further instructions about not being crazed about marriage in the New Testament. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians 7 would advise, it is better for you to remain single. Jesus himself said the same thing. Not that he is condemning the institution of marriage but you see that such a statement would never have been made had sin not entered into the world but because of sin marriage took a new meaning and then it is now entered into with a different mindset we should know that when entering into it it is not about all happiness and bed of roses no before the sin it was indeed bed of roses it was indeed perfect happiness but do not expect that today in this devotion, you may read it and say, Oh, look at her. Oh, let me look for bliss and happiness in marriage. You are going to be mistaken and you'll be highly disappointed if you do that. Now you must understand that marriage has a different purpose. It is a school where we learn to develop the character of Christ. There will be lots of sacrifices to make. There will be lots of patience to have and tolerance. There will be also lots of times to forgive and to have mercy. There will be love shown in those self-sacrificing acts. And then there's that submission to learn when you want to have your way, but rather you just have to submit. These are the lessons we now learn from marriage, a deeper purpose for us after, the, after sin came 
into our world what again we see about marriage is the issue of polygamy god made one man and one woman not one man and one man not one woman and one woman marriage is between man and woman it is not between a man and an animal neither is it between a man and a man or a woman and a woman but it's actually between the opposite sex that's what we learn also the institution of so-called polygamy many people today christians say oh the bible doesn't condemn polygamy really oh it does condemn polygamy the very fact that god did not create one man and two women or two women or one woman and two men is clear to us and telling us what god's intention was and if you understand the image of god then we would see clearly why it is so there is something called faithfulness we are not to have two gods but one god so also when it comes to marriage you are not to have two wives you are dedicated to but one two husbands you are dedicated to but one it is a relationship a type of our relationship with god you don't have two gods you have only one that you serve we are the church there are not two christ for us just one christ so also in the marriage relation you are not to have two wives but one you're not to have two husbands but one because your mind will be divided and is akin to having two gods and once you once you break that relationship you are no longer in what god calls marriage you are in something else which is sinful what more i want you to reason with me how can you not sin in polygamy it is impossible in the book of matthew reading chapter 5 from verse 27 and 28 jesus said you have heard that it was said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery but i say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart someone may say oh i just want to marry a second wife because i love her it is not for any bad reason can't I love someone and want to take care of the person? Now, I'll tell you something else. You can love someone and walk along with the person. I have brothers and sisters who are not my blood brothers and sisters and I walk along with them and I do love them. All we can do together, we can walk together, we can do a lot in uh, evangelisms and even many other social relations that we can share things together with. But yet, the ladies are not my wife and yet we can work together. But there's one thing that is separate for marriage and that is sexual relation because every other thing you may want to do you can still do without the marriage relation it is one thing that you have in mind when you are getting married to someone that you are entering into sexual relations with the person now if you are going to enter into sexual relations and you already have a wife the bible just said now jesus said if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart you have sinned against god therefore it follows that before a man or a woman will think of marrying any other woman when he has a wife already and is thinking of marrying someone else he is already committing adultery before he even contracts the marriage because he is looking at a woman to lust after her in his heart if you are not lost after her in your heart, then why don't you continue in normal relations without marriage? What do you want from the person if it is not sexual relations? Because when entering into marriage, that means you want to enter into deeper intimacy with that person. But you already have a wife and then you are taking a second one. And I tell you, before you even enter into that marriage, you have already lost it in your heart and therefore committed adultery even before you enter into that marriage of having two wives. Reading from the book 
from eternity past page 52 paragraph 1 it says polygamy had been introduced early introduced contrary to the divine arrangement the lord gave to adam one wife but after the fall men chose to follow their own sinful desires and also page 89 paragraph 2 of the same book says in her old age sarah suggested as a plan by which the divine purpose might be fulfilled that one of her, that one of her handmaidens be taken by abraham as a secondary wife polygamy had ceased to be regarded as a sin but was a violation of the law of god and was fatal to the sacredness and peace of the family abraham's marriage with hagar resulted in evil not only to his own household but to the future generations so we see there clearly both in the spirit of prophecy and the bible polygamy is indeed a sin so talking about a new look to marriage which i mentioned earlier we can see it here in the book of matthew 19 after jesus had told his disciples that whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and marry someone else is already committing adultery his disciples responded in verse 10 if the case of the man be so with his wife it is not good to marry what do you expect jesus to make to say about this statement it is not good to marry look at jesus's response verse 11 and 12 but he said unto them all men cannot receive this saying save they to whom it is given meaning that jesus is agreeing with them verse 12 he then says for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake he that is able to receive it let him receive it and i also mentioned the book of 1 corinthians 7 where paul still talked about this marriage jesus did not enforce celibacy on any man but he's making it clear that in making your choices there's nothing wrong in one choosing to be single and if you choose to be single you may even be placing yourself in a better position to inherit the kingdom of god in today's world marriage has taken a different turn it was an ab- it was about our time that jesus prophesied in the book of matthew 24 verse 37 and 38 he said but as the days of noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be for us in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark why is jesus pointing to marriage and giving in marriage as though it were a bad thing is it a bad thing of course not it is not a bad thing like i read earlier there is nothing sinful in marriage in fact let me read now from councils for the church page 133 paragraph 3 to 5 there is in itself no sin in eating and drinking or in marrying and giving in marriage it was lawful to marry in the time of noah and it is lawful to marry now if that which is lawful is properly treated and not carried to sinful excess but in the days of noah men married without consulting god or seeking his guidance and counsel the fact that all the relations of life are of a transitory nature should have a modifying influence on all we do and say in noah's day it was the inordinate excessive love of that which is in itself not okay which in itself was lawful when properly used that made marriage sinful 
before God. So marriage can be sinful. There are many who are losing their souls in this age of the world by becoming absorbed in the thoughts of marriage and in the marriage relation itself. The marriage relation is holy. But in this degenerate age, it covers vileness of every description. It is abused and has become a crime which now constitutes one of the signs of the last days. Even as marriages managed as they were previous to the flood were then a crime. When the sacred nature and the claims of marriage are understood, it will even now be approved of heaven and the result will be happiness to both parties and God will be glorified." End of quote. So here is an explanation of what it means when Jesus said they will be marrying and giving in marriage. It means that people are going to be marrying based on their carnal desires, marrying without consulting God. And then in the marriage itself, they will change it to something unholy by practicing unholy things, being absorbed in the thought of marriage first of all, without that's when they are not married, single people. And then those who are married carrying the marriage relation to sinful excess by ungodly practices. Example, anal sex and many other practices that are done to, de- to degrade man under the idea of getting pleasure from sexual relationships. Even within the marriage, people think that, oh, because we are married, everything and anything we do is all right. It is not all right. There is a natural way to do things and there is an unnatural, carnal, ungodly way to do things. And it is this that God was referring to, that Jesus was referring to when he talked about marrying and giving in marriage. I read again from the book Medical Ministry, page 142, paragraph 3 and 4. It says, It is not a time when marriage should be regarded in the light of felicity. It is uncertain business. More misery than happiness is the result. And yet, marrying and giving in marriage is as it was in the days of Noah. There seems to be no restraint, but passion and impulse have controlling power, and youth seems to be bewitched with love-sick sentimentalism. For this reason, rules and regulations are highly essential to guard those connected with our sanitarium, the college, and the office of publication, and anyone who regards these restrictions as unnecessary has not spiritual discernment and will prove a hindrance rather than a help." End of quote. In conclusion, I want us to remind, remember God loves us and in giving us the marriage institution, He had good intentions in mind. But when we twist this intention and don't even find out what God's purpose was and try to fulfill it, we are bound to make marriage relation a curse both for ourselves and for others. Marriage was made for companionship. It was also made so that you can find one to help you and increase your usefulness, your love for God and your influence. But when we don't have these purposes in mind and don't go through the right process allowing God to lead us the way he led Adam, firstly building your relationship with him and being converted, secondly having your life work and knowing what God wants you to do, and then thirdly seeing that you have a need. Adam saw his need. He didn't just say, oh I want to marry, I want to marry, oh I want to have children, I want to have children. No. 
he first of all saw his need before he went to supply it and we also should go through this process don't jump the process don't jump the horse do it the right way and now after sin we are not to expect marriage to be a bed of roses and all bliss and happiness because of sin there are lessons to learn in the matter of redemption through marriage we develop patience forgiveness mercy we develop the spirit of self-sacrifice which we maybe will not have had without it and some of course we can have it without the marriage also but it's a lesson it's a school for us and we are not to be absorbed in the thought of marriage as single people and even the married ones are not to take it to sinful excess by en- engaging in unlawful ungodly practices may the lord give us the grace to fulfill his mandate as it regards this issue of marriage amen amen it says that god celebrated the first marriage here is a statement of grace that god will celebrate god organizes a union for adam what a blessed man god celebrates what a big marriage it was i love this kind of marriage it says that god brought her to him you see adam he never needed a scratching or a rocking of head to oh, where can i find a woman who it was pure grace I'd rather have a marriage with only God as a witness than have one in the national stadium filled and overflowing with people but without God. See, what God has joined together, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about here. He joined them together. Even when trouble arose, 900 years later, the marriage was still standing a rooted foundation it was god that brought eve to adam today what a contrast even the registrar wants you to sign a prenuptial agreement because they expect the marriage to fall apart even before it had begun why because men are using the principles of divorce to run the marriage we call it a big wedding when the governor shows up we give invitation cards to only rich people we target the kind of people we want to be present in the event and all we do all the arrangement with the idea that we are going with the idea that the dignity of the ceremony hinges upon the man of timber in attendance god is rarely in the picture we scoff at the principles that he had purported first in courtship where some daughters are already pregnant before bringing the man or before the man appears in the presence of her father let alone the abominable deception being practiced today before the congregation she dressed in white and veiled like rebecca showing signs of her purity and she takes the marriage vows 
when in reality she have eaten her own bridal prize in the dark and she have exchanged her chastity and purity and innocence for a mere muscle of pottage. Oh, if only she knew that the marriage had broken before it had the chance to begin, she with her own hands had snuffed out the life of the tender plant of love in the early days. Her actions in those early moments are very vital to the longevity of the marriage. And I understand that most daughters say they do it. I'm doing it because I don't want him to go away. I'm trying to use it to keep him. I want to satisfy him. And that's the very reason why the marriage will break apart. What about the Adams today? after impregnating other man's daughter and because the deed is about to come to light all of a sudden he is ready for marriage he begins to hasten things to rush things and some people will say oh see how he loves her he can't even wait till next year deceiving and being deceived but be not deceived for god is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that he shall reap what you have done to other men's daughters will boom around back upon you most daughters we've been told are trying to drag men from the bush to the altar my sister in Adam's case we see a model marriage if that man is not found in the presence of God lifting up holy hands in prayer and duty cultivating the flocks of god tending and nourishing the delicate flowers and plants in the vineyard of god please leave him alone it is good for that man to be alone you see the man we have read here that is not good for him to be alone is a man who is found in the capacity and position that Adam was. You see, Adam was a thorough breed, a well-bred groom, sophisticated. Assembly line of procreation was resting upon his shoulders. It is not good for him to be alone. You understand that when God said, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the seed of serpent, shall bruise the head of the serpent, we understand that a woman doesn't necessarily have a seed but she is a carrier of the seed the seed actually was in a man Adam all through creation the whole world we have been told that the people that have lived upon this earth are over 100 billion people when God made one man from the dust he never went back all of them came secondarily through Adam's body. Today we see, as our brother have told us, the earth is peopled. Over 7 billion people today on the planet. We thank God that Adam succeeded in propagating the race and maintaining people even in his time. And now we see that young people today burning with passion and confusing their duty everybody wants to get into marriage as I talk with some of my friends who are female 
the things I hear is marriage, 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 marriage. I see the desire to get into it, but because of desperation, Satan will step in and fill that void. I read again from messages to young people because when I look around, I see 14-year-olds, young girls going into what they call relationships, courtships, I tell you. So the youth trust to all together too much to impulse. They should not give themselves away too easily, nor be captivated too readily by the winning exterior of the lover. Courtship as carried on in this age is a scheme of deception and hypocrisy with which the enemy of souls has far more to do than the Lord. Good common sense is needed here, if anywhere. But the fact is, it has little to do in the matter. My message to young people, 450. And this is the reason why the world statistic says about 50% of the marriages contacted today or contracted are based on impulse and will end in divorce. But heaven says that even though the other 50% manage to stay in the marriage, the marriage is not a happy one. Not one where God can use as a heavenly model. You see, Adam had stepped onto the stage everything was ready ready made for him God saw that he needed a woman to help him fulfill a specific task a purpose as always a brother will say but Victor let your mate match your mission most of us we have to know what our mission is before we begin to look for a mate because what Satan will do is that I say not everybody that walked up to you or walked into your life is a blessing. Some of them are traps like Delilah on the path of Samson to twat his mission. Satan knows exactly who to send to divert the mission and scatter the vision. Many who were noble and fitted to do great work for the master have been broken today and trapped because of marriage. So it is my prayer that we go to God and understand our purpose. And as we look at the times we are living in, we have to weigh the evidences and weigh all the statistics that we have and to see exactly the reasons why Jesus will make such strange statements in Matthew that our brother was talking about and understand that it is for our good. But I pray that we take it to heart. It's a matter that involves our eternal destiny. And as we take it to heart, we go to him to draw strength, whatever he wills, that we draw strength from him to carry it out. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord and Father, Lord, we exalt your name. Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your provisions. Lord, it is grace that has brought us this word for many who have not seen it before. Run ahead 
and have made shipwreck. Hello, we pray that we take it to heart. We'd rather have a union where you stand and bless that involves you as the organizer and have one that is applauded by the world but yeah we're broken inside Lord, we want to show respect and reverence for your word help us to live by every word step by step when the road gets hard or help us to trust in you for in this one oh lord we need complete dependence upon you pray you strengthen us make our minds and our face set as a flint that we may not divert to the left or to the right as we hear the voice of the serpent calling trying to divert us from the purpose the lord help us to keep a steadfast walk and a steady head looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith this is our prayer in jesus precious name amen